We're going to start with a nice word on Parsha's Terima. The Kedisha's Livy, the Heidegger B'ditch of Ruf, says in the beginning of the Parsha, right by Vikli Terima, so Hashem tells Moshe Rabbani, Dabra B'nai Yisrael, go talk to them. He says the significance of this Pusik, Dabra B'nai Yisrael, is that it's the first time after Matan Torah that Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbani, go talk to Kal Yisrael. Okay, so what's, so what's the significance of that? So he brings the Gemurah, the Gemurah says, the Gemurah Nima, Rashlukish, it seems, was so picky with who he spoke to. Rashlukish didn't just talk to anyone. He only spoke to someone who was ehrlich and trustworthy and uh, someone that was worthy of Rashlukish talking to him. And if people would see in the street or in the shik, in the marketplace, that Rashlukish is talking to someone, wow, that person must really be trustworthy. You know what? I'm ready to lend that person money without any witnesses, without a star, without anything. If Rashlukish was talking to him, it must mean that something, he wouldn't just talk to anyone. Why is that? So the Shlavi explains that tzaddikim are very picky with who they talk to because they're so um, closely connected to Hashem with such a dvaikas Hashem they don't want to talk to people who are going to be mafstig them from that dvaikas. There are people who you know, talking to them might, might pull them down from their um, high madraiga. And, and that's why very often a tzaddik wouldn't just, wouldn't just talk to anyone. So Shlukish was such a big tzaddik and he was so careful who he spoke to that if he was talking to someone we could assume that that person must be a real um, um, the way he, he calls it, that, that that person must be very trustworthy. He says, after the Chetu Aigel, Sharani was concerned that maybe Kalisa wasn't so wasn't so heilig anymore, like they were after Matan Torah, especially right after the Chetu Aigel. I'm saying before when Hashem was saying that they, they they were Nishl on this Chet, even though they were Zayra Avrum but you know, maybe maybe Hashem's not happy with them, and maybe it's not good for me to talk to them. Maybe Sharani and his big Madrag shouldn't talk to them. And Hashem told him, "No, you didn't have to. You didn't have to worry about that. You could, you could lift Kali Yisrael, especially with the Yikli Trima, Yikli Lishmi. They're going to be close to me again. You don't have to worry. Dabra Rabbi Yisrael, you can go talk to them. That's a, just a beautiful word from the Halakha B'ditch Veruv. And Hashem was also telling him, which says that by your talking to them, you'll actually uplift them. Dabra Rabbi Yisrael, you'll talk to them, and they'll be uplifted. Don't resist talking to them. On the contrary, talk to them and uplift them." And, and, and because they are Zayra Avrumi Yisrael you'll be able to bring them back to the big Madraiga and both of you will benefit from that now interestingly you know, in our own lives we're obviously not on the Madraiga of, of Moshe Rabbeini and Rashlukish and Big Tzadikim who because of our big Dvaikas Hashem we should be so picky who we talk to but on the contrary sometimes because we're not Big Tzadikim and we're not very um, strongly connected to Hashem the way we should be sometimes that's the reason why we should be even more careful who we talk to the outside influence is not so much going to affect us now as Hashem, as much as you know, we're barely connected. If we're not careful, we're going to be influenced the wrong way. In other words, sometimes a tzaddik, because of his big dvaikas, he's careful, nobody should take him away from that big madraga. But if he's not such a big tzaddik, okay, so he won't be nifsik from the big madraga, he also won't be affected by anyone. But if somebody's barely um, you know, settled and grounded in this dvaikas Hashem, what happens with outside influence? Definitely something we should take seriously, and often we don't. Often we think, okay, I'll go, I'll go to this bungalow colony, I'll associate with these people, I'll buy in this store, I'll, I'll, different things that we expose ourselves to, hoping and assuming that yeah, it won't have an effect, I'll, I'll be okay. Are we really that okay? And that's all when it comes to adults who are somewhat set in their path, somewhat uh, mature, somewhat uh, settled. What about when it comes to children? How much more so? Very often we, we take for granted or, we, or we, we just don't give enough significance who children associate with and what they're exposed to, either because, again, we think, oh, they're only children, so it doesn't make a difference. Same mistake. Or, or the other way around, like, oh, it's not, it's not terrible. Um, who said it's a problem? And, yeah, we, there's definitely a big responsibility for parents to take these things seriously and realize 
that if your child is not yet Moshe um, then for a different reason, you want to be careful with who they associate with. So we'll talk about that more in a moment. Let me just read a, a letter. Um, first, thank you for your weekly classes on essays. I enjoy them immensely and look forward to the updated Shia Torah anytime, every week. Okay, so thank you for that. And every time I mention my essay, I say again, whoever would like could sign up for my weekly essay at parashalessons at lahair.org. That's P-A-R-S-H-A-L-E-S-S-O-N-S at L-E-H-A-I-R dot O-R-G. Okay, I have a small situation I'd like to hear your thoughts on. I know it takes a while for an answer, but any help would be appreciated. My oldest daughter, eight years old, a very clever UV red. Okay, so for those of you who read my book or took my course, know what that means. Uh, basically a sensitive child, a uh, strong child. Um, UV red seems to only play with certain kids in our neighborhood. We live in a development, and there are plenty of either classmates or grade mates, but she chooses to play with the kids from what I consider dysfunctional families. This includes families where the parents suffer from mental illness and the children are raising themselves. Other families allow their children to, to do whatever they want and the children are up till all hours of the night doing whatever they want and buying off friends with all types of gadgets and nash. What bothered me most was hearing one of those kids telling our daughter to lie about a certain toy she shared with her, saying, tell your mommy that you found it on the floor, she'll never know. My daughter replied, she can't, she'll get punished. And the friend said, no, your mother will never know. Our children often get little prizes which one of our children spilled the beans that are bought with money she quietly takes from her mother's pocketbook. I'm not sure if it means from that. Friend's mother's pocketbook, okay. When our children play with these type of kids, they come home agitated and irritable and not displaying any type of midas I appreciate seeing. I've tried explaining to our children how fortunate we are that we have a functional family, and enough food and nash and prizes to give. We don't need to get from them. But our children still go back to them and I'm stuck with what to do about it. Any insight as to how to go about this issue would be much appreciated. Thanks in advance. Okay. So like I mentioned, just from the first um, line of the letter, talking about a UV red kid, so I mentioned that this is sensitive children. And I might sound like a broken tape recorder by now, but I did write a book about this and give classes about understanding sensitive children. Um, understanding that with certain, with certain children that are naturally hypersensitive, although all children are emotional and could get a little unreasonable and irrational at times, but there are those of them that are definitely more that are definitely more um, hypersensitive, um, and they won't necessarily react well with um, logic or anything too negative or controlling. And from the youngest age, you see it. You see it. I have people taking my courses, listening to these classes, and saying, wow, I'm noticing this in my four-year-old. Could it be that I'm fooling myself? And the answer is no. If you know what you're looking for, you'll notice on very, very young children, even younger than four years old, a certain sensitivity which makes a child experience things and, and interpret things and react very emotionally, different than other children would. And that's something to take into account. So my point is just, that I'm just trying to explain the question over here. The question is that we're dealing with a child who's very sensitive and a lot of the typical things that you might try don't work with this kid. When I say this, I do that, it just doesn't work. And yeah, you have to put in more thought, obviously, when you're dealing with a child who's more sensitive and automatically maybe less defiant or less flexible or less reasonable. So back to what I started off with discussing. Friends are a big influence. Mashiach was afraid to talk to anyone, uh, but little kids who are very impressionable are definitely, definitely a bigger influence than you think. And don't take it lightly. I could say that I myself, um, it definitely took me time to realize to what extent um, this is true. I talk to people about it all the time and I hear all kinds of stories and I've seen them up close and I've dealt with them myself personally as well. Um, friends are a tremendous influence. As much as we try to fool ourselves sometimes, for whatever reason, because uh, it's uncomfortable to deal with or whatever, 
but yeah, who, are, who your child associates with and talks to and and befriends and spends time with and converses with, even when it's very um, innocent looking on some level, does have an effect. I'm not saying you have to be overprotective and, and start monitoring um, every word your child talks to someone about, but it's not a question that it has a strong effect. This is what has an effect. And when children play with kids or associate with kids that are not not good influence for them, it does have an effect. So it's not something to be taken lightly, and it is a big influence. Um, then you have situations where children are specifically attracted to certain kinds of kids. Now, some of it is natural. If, if you can expect a happy-go-lucky um, energy ball to become best friend with the quiet, introverted, the social anxious, socially anxious kid. It's not going to work. There, there are attractions that we find by children, some better than others. Sometimes we just have to be reasonable about it. Right? Just like you can't expect your, your five-year-old to feel comfortable playing with a ten-year-old. It's just not going to work. Even if you think it's the best match, you know, it doesn't work like that. There's, there's other five-year-olds, that, that's what they're going to be playing with. But on some level, you have to take it seriously and be considerate of it. And on some level, you have to monitor it. And just because a child is attracted to someone doesn't mean it's good for them. There is a certain pattern that you see by certain kids where they're attracted to certain friends. Now, sometimes it's just a certain flashy um, attractiveness. I like what the kid wears and the way he talks and his gadgets and his clothing and a certain spiffiness or whatever it is. And it's not the best thing, but that's what, that's what some kids are attracted to. And, and when it's natural, sometimes it's harder to pull away from. But you do see those patterns. And sometimes you see it in the way the, the writer over here is, is describing it. There are children that are attracted to, again, I'm just taking face value at your writing, I don't know if it's 100% true, but there are children that are attracted to problematic kids. Whether it's dysfunctional homes means they're attracted to kids coming from broken homes, uh, which automatically is, is less authority, or, or children from troubled backgrounds where there's problems going on at home, which automatically sometimes brings a certain amount of liberalism or even victimhood. By eight years old, it's usually on the victimhood. But you see with teenagers, you see teenagers who like associating with the kids from the broken homes and the difficult backgrounds, because remember that kid's a victim, and I'm also. You see a certain pattern of what's going on over here. There's a certain association that some kids like to um, associate with, and they're attracted to. And it's, it's, not, it's not great. It's not great. Um, it's hard to challenge, Bechlal, with kids, when a child is attracted to someone, and, and that person is... Um, What's the word? It's just something that's uh, attractive, tempted. There's something about it. It's hard to pull away. It's hard to tell a kid, you, you, you can't be friends with that kid. You have to be friends with the other kind of kid. Uh, yeah, a friend is a friend. It's very hard to challenge. It is hard to challenge. I think the first thing you want to do is try to take away the reason for a kid to be attracted to that. It's not easy. It's not easy and it's not simple. It's not always doable even. But sometimes there's a reason why a kid is being attracted to somebody who's giving him a certain amount of attention or a certain amount of association because he's unhappy and unfulfilled and broken or whatever and, 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 and angry at the people around him and he's trying to associate with people who are going to make him feel good people who will also be angry at the people that he's angry at and things like that so if you could ever um, address the underlying issue to help a child not have the need to associate with somebody who's giving them a certain approval or a certain comfort that's definitely a better way to do it also when it comes to friends if you could be creative and figure out ways to get other kids to offer this to your child, again, it's not easy, especially with kids. But if you can make it sound like this kid loves you so much and that one's so attracted, and if you give this to that kid, they'll, if you could come up with ways, sometimes with a teacher, sometimes with a neighbor, sometimes with another mother, to make your kid feel wanted by another kid instead of having to go after another kid, he'd have a friend who's giving them attention. If you could create, 
not create is the wrong word, only Hashem creates. So if you could create that atmosphere where this child is feeling attracted to somebody else, giving them a lot of attention, for whatever reason, you know, that might be another creative way to circumvent certain attractions or certain um, needs. But it's definitely important to keep a watchful eye with relationships and friends in general, and especially with a child who's attracted to somewhat problematic kids. Don't just think like, okay, so I can't do anything about it, so I'm just hoping for the best. Keep a watchful eye and listen to what they're talking about and be on top of it and make sure that you're going to be there. If you can't stop the relationship, at least to, you know, to make sure that nothing um, gets affected by it. But let, let me just go on to another thing over here, which which has to do with the age. Okay, if this wouldn't have been an eight-year-old, it would be an eighteen-year-old. It would definitely be a whole different discussion. Whole different discussion. I actually just spoke about it before the Yiddish year. Automatically, eighteen-year-old is, is more independent, and whatever else, more more stuck and more. With an eight-year-old, things are different. And very often, people don't don't have, um, how much they could, and in a healthy way, in a healthy way, and very important to do it in a healthy way, but how much they could control. Now, as children get older, there's less that you could control. The more you try to control a kid when they get older and they don't allow it to happen and they don't have to let it happen, they're strong enough or independent enough, it gets worse. My point is that when you're dealing with a 16, 18-year-old, you're trying to control who their friends are, not only, can't, not, on, not only are you not in control, you're sometimes causing resistance. The more you don't want, that's how much it happens. Like the tzvadaya, you know, the more you hit it, the more it, it produces. But when children are younger, and we sometimes allow it, because, oh, he's anyway young, and we don't realize, we don't take it as seriously as we would when he's 18 years old, and that's a big problem, you know, what he's being exposed to. In the meantime, it, it's not resolving itself. You're allowing something to develop and happen. And with many things, you, you cater to children's desires and wishes, and then you suffer from it. So this is the thing. When children are young, we assume, oh, say, it's not so important, they'll let it happen. Hopefully they'll grow out of it. By the time he's not growing out of it, and you realize, oh, it's a big problem, you try stopping it, it's just getting worse. When a child was younger, you could have stopped it. There, there are things, there are things that when children are younger, you do have the choice to stop. Now, the way to do it is not by screaming at the kid, not by humiliating him, not by making him feel controlled, not by making him feel bad, not by telling him how bad he is. There's clever, cleverer ways to do it, but you have to know what you're trying to do. When a kid at eight years old is dressing a certain way that you don't like, and you're the one buying him the clothes, and you're the one that's preparing it by his bed for him, you might be doing the wrong thing. The other way is not to throw out the clothes, to scream at him, and to make him ashamed. There's a smart way to talk to him, make him feel good, and, and, and sometimes bribe him, sometimes replace it with something or whatever else. The point is just that if at eight years old you're feeding it, and then resenting it, and then telling him how wrong it is, and then feeding it further, again, he's only eight. How's he getting that pair of pants? Now, I know he might be tantruming for it, well, you have to learn a thing or two how to, about how to deal with tantrums, or how to avoid tantrums, how to make them feel good with the other pants, etc. My point is just that very often um, a child's eight years old going to play with, with friends. Okay, I don't know. But sometimes he wouldn't go if you didn't let him or if you didn't take him. Sometimes. He's too young for that. He wouldn't go if you didn't, if you didn't make the phone call that he can come over. It, it always has to be applied correctly. My point is just that sometimes with younger kids, there's more that you could do in a good way without making him feel bad, without getting into fights with him, without, without um, um, breaking him or making him feel controlled or forced. There's ways to you know, wheedle your way around things that you shouldn't be enabling and promoting something that's not good. I assume that with an eight-year-old um, being attracted to certain friends and going to certain homes and, and inviting over certain kids, I believe there's more that you could do to stop it without making him feel bad. Without making him feel bad. And of course, you always want to replace these things with something else. To just tell the kid what he can do, it might work for the meantime, but if you're not making him feel good with something else, that's not great. So if you're going to take away those pants or friends that you don't want him to have, 
and you can't give something else for it, or at least a good feeling for it, that's also not something, not something to do. But I do think that it's clear that very often when kids are younger, there's so much you could have done. And looking back, there are, there are things that you notice, ooh, I let this happen, I actually made it happen. And again, nobody means anything bad. We only try to make things happen because we hope that it will be better. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. And, and when kids are younger, you do have more choice about how to control things and manipulate things in a way that's, that's best for the child. Best for the child. Now, you, you gave an example that I also want to address over here. You heard it was disturbing to you that this kid was lying and stealing and t- teaching your kid to lie and things like that. And your kid didn't. My mommy will find out. So the first thing you always want to do, um, instead of addressing the, the part that's more concerning, which we often do, what? Said the lie, bad friend, bad girl, never do it, don't you dare. If your child was honest and said, I can't do it, my mommy won't let it, and you can make that kid feel good for being honest, that's, that's the best thing you could do. Promote the good. Promote the good. It's a big rule, Bechlal. A kid do something bad, and you want to teach them to do something good, and they do something good, even if it's just a little bit. It's not what you want. It's not as much as you want. Promote the good. Make a child feel like a million dollars of saying the truth. Tell the child that being honest is the best thing you could do for me, for you, for Hashem. You're amazing. You're, di- you're brilliant. I can't believe it. You get a prize for it. Promote the good, and you're already doing a lot. A lot more than being critical of the bad, and don't you think, you think I won't find out, and things like that. That's not the point. The point is to make a child feel good. And when they feel good, it's easier for them to do these things again. Um, when kids get older, especially, with a younger kid, not as much, when kids get older, bad-mouthing their friends and putting their friends down is often a mistake. Even though in this case, you want to, I'm sure you're tempted to say, that friend, she had a lie, she steals, that's terrible, bad girl. Very often when a kid's closely connected with a friend and associates with a friend, putting the friend down doesn't do much for the kid. They like that friend very much. That friend gives them a good feeling. You're screaming at me. That friend never screams at me. She's bad? I don't think she's bad. Why'd she scream? Why'd she steal? Because her mommy's not nice, so she's allowed to steal. My point is just that you have to know who to side with. Of course, you don't want to promote the good and say, oh, I'm sure she didn't mean it and make believe nothing happened. It's not okay to steal. But sometimes we're tempted to go in the direction of putting down the other person without realizing your child might choose to take sides. You don't want to turn it into that kind of fight. I'm not here. I don't judge that girl. I don't know. Maybe she had it. To not steal and not lie is the best thing in the world. I'm so proud of you. That's, that's definitely a lot of times a, a very... Um, and Bechlal, to promote that whoever does the right thing and the girls that, that are more honest and more careful what they take and they ask, they're, they're definitely healthier and happier girls, that you could say. You don't have to get negative and start pinpointing um, you know, to, to make something uh, um, uh, unattractive to your child. Sometimes it works, but you have to be careful who you're doing it to and if it's a kid that your child's going to want to stick up for. I'm saying this, I'm, I'm con- contemplating as I'm talking if I should mention, but sometimes you'll have with adults as well. Right? I've seen this many times in Sean Bias. Your wife is going to a therapist and you think the therapist is causing damage and you, you're fighting with the therapist and your wife is busy sticking up for her therapist against you. Now, it shouldn't be that way. You should never stick up for your therapist over your spouse. Ever. But sometimes when somebody's closely associated with someone who's giving them a good feeling and you're busy fighting that person, they might be tempted to stick up for that person and in their mind side with the person who's making them feel better than the one who's challenging them. You have to be careful how you do that. So with friends, especially with teenagers... You know, knocking the other boy and saying how bad he is might just make your son feel like, you know, my, my friend is not, is not so bad. You're worse than that. So with eight-year-olds, it's not as big an issue, but I do want to clarify that promoting the good and talking about the good and talking about all the people who do the good is better than knocking all, knocking all the bad. Um, another thing when you try talking about these kind of topics with kids, like you know, stealing and lying, you want to talk about it in a gentle way. 
that it's easier for a child to take. Sometimes it turns into a debate. You're not allowed to steal. You know you're not allowed to. You're ever going to do it, though. Sometimes forcing the kid to agree and forcing the kid to comply and forcing the kid to say how right you are and how wrong someone else is, it doesn't go over well. Even when they say you're right and they won't and they commit to something, they're not feeling good about it. They, you just you just forced you just manipulated me. You know, saying a message and saying I trust you know what's right and I trust that you're going to do next time also the right thing. I'm so proud of you and this is what Hashem wants and whatever. And letting a kid just feel good with the message or walk away on their own terms, saying yeah yeah it makes sense. That's definitely better than than forcing it on a kid. And this is how it is with a lot of chinech um, ideas. And without getting too controlling, without getting too um, too scary. Yeah, it's good, to, it's good to let kids know that there's accountability. It's good to let kids know that whenever kids think that they could take things and lie without, and they'll get away with it, they always get caught. You know, but, but not so much in a way like, yeah, don't you ever think you, I'm not going to find out? You don't make a fool out of yourself because you can, might be doing a lot of things that you don't know about. But, but it is important for kids to understand that there is accountability. Accountability, and, and very often the, the element of fear is, is what keeps people in touch. With everything, that's why we don't go through red lights in the middle of the night, or or when nobody's looking. There's, there's an element of fear, you know. So so to reward honesty is a good thing. Your daughter deserves a treat for being honest, and adding an element of fear to avoid dishonesty is also is also um, okay. And like I started off with, everything has to be age appropriate, especially with sensitive children. So if if you if this question would have been about an 18 year old, I would definitely tell you to be a lot more considerate and work along with uh, you know. Silk gloves to make sure you're not gonna you're not gonna um, get into a fight with your kid over this and have them resent you for not understanding why they have certain friends and things like that. You have to use even more chachma. When a kid is eight, sometimes you have to use a little less chachma. Don't be so scared to implement something and be careful because you might be enabling by being too careful. But you do have to be careful with the feelings of a child, regardless, especially sensitive children, even when they're young, and make sure they don't come and make sure it doesn't come across like you're fighting them and putting them down and making them feel bad and controlling. And I don't let, and this you can't do, and this you have to do, and with that girl you have to talk, and this girl you can't talk. You have to be a little more careful with that. So just to summarize, friends do have a big influence. You have to keep a watchful eye, and you shouldn't just take for granted. And where you could uh, make sure that your child, your child has better friends, either by not being so allowing with things that you're not comfortable with, and by promoting and being creative to find ways to have your child be attracted to better girls, is definitely an important thing to do. Uh, you don't want to find out when it's too late. You want to promote all the good and reward your child and make her feel good for being honest. And you want to make it uh, unattractive to be not honest um, and, and teach all the healthy lessons that they have to hear and make them know that, that there's accountability and it's not a game. And with Hashem's help, um, when we're careful about who we associate with and who our children associate with, learning from the Dabr of Nais rule, and we make sure that we do things that are not going to hurt us or our children, with Hashem's help, we'll be able to help ourselves and bring out the best of our children and see Nachas from all of them.